Well, I don't know if, uh, if you have been uh, keeping tabs on, on the weather, but I am glad that we're not in New England uh, or in the, nor- in the Northeast this morning uh, because there are, there are several churches that have closed uh, just due to, to cold weather. And so, I, so what I'm trying to say is I'm glad that you're all here this morning. I'm glad that you braved the elements and that you're here uh, today. Uh, and I'm also glad for that because we're continuing, uh, we're continuing where we left off with uh, last week. And, and if you weren't here, don't worry about it. I'm going to give you the, the kind of the cleft notes version because we all have slept since last week, and so, that's, so it's, sometimes it's good to kind of revisit uh, things. But last week, we left off in the middle of a messy, messy, no good, ugly situation. Two widowed women have just left behind over a decade of issues and are now returning to the elder's home country. That elder, her name was Naomi. Naomi lost everything, but for her, the pain was so bitter that bitter was exactly what she wanted people to start calling her. We talked about the area in our lives where famine strikes, which are typically areas where we've placed our hope and our trust. These are areas like our our health, our security, or, or even our relationships, well, all of those things are, are great things, we, are, we can often elevate those to a place that takes God's place in our lives. We worship our bodies, we place unhealthy expectations in our relationships, and we protect that which is familiar, safe, and secure at all costs, even if it means putting our trust in what is tangible rather than trusting in God who is working out all things for us in partnership with us. And when we left off last week, I told you that this was just one side of the story. But this is also a family story. And it connects their story with our story. The other side of the story belongs to a woman named Ruth. And her response in the midst of incredible tragedy and the posture that she takes during famine would echo through generations. We're going to dive back into Ruth chapter 1. It's going to be found on page 210 in the, in the Bible in the pew in front of you, or it's going to be on the screen here as well. Let's go ahead and dive in. Ruth chapter 1, starting in verse 6 and going to verse 19. And it says this, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. When Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home, may the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. Then Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought that there was still hope for me. 
Even if, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or, turn, or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. It was time to decide to leave or to stay. If she stayed, she knew what to expect. She would return to her parents' home, to the old household gods, and eventually marry again. But there were whispers, rumors, that beyond Moab, that the God of Israel was doing something new. She knew of this God. After all, her father-in-law's name, Elimelech, meant, my God is a king. While she had heard stories from her husband and her in-laws, there was something different about this God. He sounded personal. He sounded like he was involved in the lives of his people, but not in the way that the household gods seemed. They were silent and distant. Could she really go back to all of that after these stories? Whatever Ruth and Orpah chose, Naomi was leaving Moab to return to Israel. A grateful Naomi sought to dismiss them. She had no more sons for them to marry, and Israel was no place for outsiders. After much weeping, Orpah left. It was time to decide. What happens next is an incredible declaration of faith, which Jesus himself would model. Since we have an understanding from last week that you can't remain in places where famine reigns, what do we do and how do we live like you're leaving? How do we live like you're leaving? I want to share a, a realization that I, that I came to with you guys years ago. And I know I've said this before. But you and I were never promised a today yesterday. Did you know that? You and I were never promised that, that this day, this, this day wasn't, wasn't promised to us. Every day, every day that you have is a gift. And it carries with it the urgency of the here and now. However, we all live in this place where, where faith meets uncertainty. We trust God for our tomorrows, even though we don't know what they'll bring. 
For Ruth, there are five statements that she makes which can help us to thrive in the midst of uncertainty while impacting those who would follow after us. The first thing that we need to do is letter A, make the next right decision. Make the next right decision. Remember, Ruth is a, is a foreigner. We don't know if she had any other connections with Israel outside of her family or if Naomi gave her any insight as to what she might expect would happen next. But we do know, we do know that in the midst of Naomi trying to dissuade her from returning with her, that Ruth's first response was, where you go, I'll go. Where you go, I'll go. And while there was an uncertainty about what was ahead, Ruth was confident in who Naomi was. And if Naomi saw wisdom in returning to Israel and in trusting that God was providing in Israel, this may just be the next right decision that she could make. And those decisions would cascade into greater ripples of impact. Think about it like this. Every day, there are babies born. Every day, there are babies born. About four weeks ago, one of the youngest members of the Eau Claire Wesleyan Church was born. And while one might diminish this as little Luke Burns only being one person on a planet filled with billions, that one person will grow up. He'll form relationships with people. He'll be mentored and he'll mentor others. He'll be inspired and be inspiring. People will come to Jesus as a result of his parents' decision to love him and lead him as Christ leads his church, even though they're probably trying to figure out how sleep works. Four weeks ago, we also celebrated the birth of another baby boy who stepped into the world he created and set into motion God's rescue mission for all of his creation. This step was, was, was a big one. This, this step that, that Ruth took was the first step that was put into generations of, uh, that put to work generations of next right steps that took place over hundreds of years. And this step that Ruth took in following Naomi was the first of many. Friends, wherever you find yourself today, whatever you're facing, may you not just see the picture of what's going on right now, but may you see the bigger picture of what God is doing. And I would encourage you with this, even though you may not see what's going on, take the next right step. And while you're doing that, let her be, find your footing on what is true. Find your footing on what is truth. Ruth told Naomi, where you stay, I'll stay. Well, this statement has a little bit more to do with geography. There is something about finding foundation in our shifting circumstances and culture that can keep us from being pulled down into the undertow of those things. In, uh, in talking with his disciples in Matthew 7, Jesus says this, 
Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had, it had its foundation on the rock. But whoever hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I don't know if, if, if you see this, but, but when, I, when I look out uh, across the, the cultural landscape right now, I, I, see, I see us living in a culture that, that values civility over honesty, feelings over facts, and tolerance over conviction. And while we're, we are commanded and, and challenged to live and speak grace and truth and love, it's, it's almost like we have this, uh, we, it's almost like we have this truth deficit in our culture, but that's nothing new. It's important for us to know the truth about who God is so that when the winds and waves come, that we have our foundation and we know how to stand on that foundation. And part of that foundation is built, as we let her see, get connected in community. Ruth assured Naomi, your people will be my people. She would assimilate and integrate into this new people. She would form new bonds and build new relationships, which would really work out in both of their favor with a man named Boaz, but that's a story for another time. In summary, this relative of Elimelech's would show incredible kindness to Ruth and Naomi and would eventually marry Ruth. But all of that started because of connection to the community. While relationships, as we talked about last week, are not meant to take God's place, he did design us to be in them, especially ones that are discipling us and helping us to grow in Christ. That's why we have connect groups. They're, they're places that you connect with each other outside of a Sunday morning to have conversations with each other uh, since you're part of a church community. Now, I know that you have heard me talk ad nauseum at great length, uh, so I thought it would be good if you heard someone else's story. Uh, my name is Mark Johnson. For those of you that don't know me, uh, I've been attending Eau Claire Wesleyan Church for about um, almost 15 years now, since the June of 2004. Uh, I was a math teacher at Memorial High School right across the street and coached um, cross country and track and field there, which kept me pretty busy. And because of that, never really got an opportunity to become overly involved in church activities here. Because of that, um, my social contacts were not immense. Um, my comfort level, what I was able to do was basically just shake hands and say hi, but never really went beyond that when I would see people before or after church. When I retired, I had more free time available to me, so I decided to join a connect group, which I had never done before. 
and the Connect group uh, gave me a chance to read um, and share a little bit about myself and, and what I gathered from the reading. Uh, gave us a chance to pray together, gave us a chance to eat and laugh, and of course eating and laughter are two bonding agents that are just great. So I got to know the 15 to 17 people a little more intimately than I did before. And I'm hoping that instead of just the 15 to 17 people that I know, that I'm going to get to know more of the members of the church. If you've never considered joining a Connect group, um, I would encourage you to do so. Um, I plan on joining another Connect group coming up, and as long as I have time available, I'm going to continue to do that. Not only will it allow you to um, grow spiritually, give you that chance anyway, but it will allow you to meet people that will make you a little more comfortable attending church um, and increase your social contacts. And anytime you become more comfortable where you are, I think you feel like a more valuable member of that community. I had the, I had the privilege of, of having Mark in, uh, in my Connect group on Monday night, uh, on Monday nights this last uh, session. And, and, and I got to tell you, Mark's story is, is not the only story uh, of, of someone who's, who's experienced the, the same thing. Um, I, and again, I know I've said this at great length, but I would really challenge you, if you've never been a part of a Connect group, there is no better time than now to do that. Make sure you see me after the service if you have any questions about that because I want to see all of you guys connected in communities where, where you are talking about godly teaching together, where you're praying together, where you're, you're encouraging one another and challenging each other and serving together uh, because that's, that's the beautiful thing about what happens when we're, uh, when we're a part of the church. And I know that for in, in this situation, for Ruth, that being connected into a community was a tipping point for her. Well, they didn't have things like connect groups, but, you know, it's a, it's a, that's a different thing. You know, it isn't, it isn't simply enough. And the thing I appreciate about Mark's story here is that it, he, he shared that it, it just wasn't enough for him to just simply exist in, in a church building, to come week in and week out um, we all need deeper connections than that. And once, once we've taken those next right steps and have a, a foundation in truth and, and are connected in community, we must, letter D, trust the outcome to the one who can see it. We must trust the outcome to the one who can see it. Ruth makes an incredible statement of faith by telling Naomi, your God will be my God. She had seen the faith of her family and how God delivered them to Moab in a time of great need. She saw how he cared for her and for Naomi in the midst of their loss and the hope that filled Naomi when she heard that the famine had left Israel. She trusted that this God of their forefathers, whose favor on this people was renowned, might also extend it to her if she would pursue him too. It is the same dependency and confidence in God's plan that Jesus displayed in the Garden of Gethsemane right before his crucifixion. As he prayed, agonizing over what was about to happen, Jesus, in an act of peerless humility, declares, God, not my will, but yours be done. I, I know that this is nowhere near on the same level as what Jesus did in that moment. But I do know that there have been many times in my, lives, in my life where things just 
didn't make sense. Where I didn't know how we were going to make it spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally. Yet in those dark moments, I was reminded of the people on display in Hebrews 11 whose faith was commended even though they could not see the promise that God was delivering on. It's also reminded in, in Isaiah where God says, did you not know? Have you not heard that I am the Lord of all creation? Did you forget? You forget who I was? And I'll tell you, I know that, that we would all love to have a glimpse, just a small peek at what God has, has planned for our lives. It'd probably blow our minds so much that we probably wouldn't believe it. But if Jesus, being very much God himself, declares to God the Father, not my will, but yours be done. You better believe that he's trustworthy, even if it means going through things that we would consider to be unbearable to get there. There's one more step to living like you're leaving. We have to let her E, pass along what you have learned. Pass along what you have learned. This is a bit of an odd statement, but Ruth leans into it. She finishes with, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. She was determined that her footsteps would follow in the ones left for her, even to the end. This leaves an interesting point for us to ponder. What imprints are you leaving behind? What footsteps are you leaving behind? Are you allowing God to use the knowledge that you have gained over the years to teach? Are you allowing God to use the experiences that you have had to lead? Are you allowing him to, to leverage your joys to encourage and your pains to inspire hope? Are you actively investing in the generations that are following behind you? Because let me tell you something. All of those things are worthless in the grave. They have no value there. And they are too valuable not to share. So where does all of this leave us today? Where do Ruth's story and Naomi's connect with ours? And what does this all mean for us? Well, just three generations down the line from Ruth and Boaz came a shepherd boy named David. David would become the second king of Israel and was described as a man after God's own heart. David's relationship with God was beautiful and sometimes brutally honest. And we get to see that on full display in the Psalms. Generations down David's family line, a young girl named Mary would appear and become the mother of Jesus. 
And after seeing Jesus perform the miraculous, teach with authority, 12 ordinary men were sent out with authority to drive out demons and heal the sick. We are here today because generation after generation after generation of men and women took the next right steps and stood on a foundation of truth and were connected in community and trusted God with the results and passed along what they have received. And you and I are here today in these seats because someone passed along something to you that never belonged to them in the first place. And it doesn't belong to you to keep. And so when it comes down to it, when examining Ruth and Naomi's posture in the midst of incredible loss and terrible circumstances, the difference between bitter and pleasant is the choice to see God at work, even through the famine, and giving him permission to use our pain to ease someone else's journey. The difference between bitter, remember, Naomi wanted people to call her bitter. The difference between bitter and pleasant is the choice to see God at work even through the famine and give him permission to use our pain to ease someone else's journey. You have the same opportunity to do that today. It's not an easy road to take, but you can't stay here. So live like you're leaving. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we, we all come from uh, different places and circumstances. And God, you know, you know the things that each and every person in this room has experienced and endured. You know where, where they're at here this, ver this very day. You are, not, you are not a stranger to our circumstances. And God, you, you also have experienced many of those things yourself. The book of Hebrews tells us that in Jesus we have a great high priest, one who is not unable to sympathize with our needs. God, you experienced the, the loss of friends, you experienced betrayal, you experienced joy and laughter, you experienced pain. And so God, in all of that, you know exactly what we're going through right now. And so God, I thank you for the great hope that there is to be found in that. Thank you for, for Ruth's story and for Naomi's story. And thank you that those next right steps have impacted us all here today. God, as we, uh, as we, consider, as we consider our next right step, God, I pray that we would follow you in the midst of those, that our posture would be the same as Ruth's, that we would say, God, where you go, I'll go. And where you stay, I will stay. I will follow you. And so God, as we, uh, as we close here this morning, would you challenge us? We love you. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.